Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. We want to talk about Christmas today. Wonderful Christmas. How many of you believe Christmas is wonderful? Some of you don't think it is. Depends on what you mean by wonderful. But I believe Christmas is wonderful because it is filled with wonders. The story of Christmas is filled with wonders. That is the story that makes it wonderful, not the celebration or the carnival aspect of it that makes it wonderful. So Christmas, the story is full of wonders. It's mysterious. The story we have in Christmas is such an amazing story, such a wonder-filled story. It's, myst- it's mysterious, or it carries mystery. First Timothy 3.16 says that, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Then he begins to explain, God was manifested in the flesh. That is a serious issue. Great, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached amongst Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Great is the mystery. And Christmas brings to light the mystery of godliness. Christianity does not have any significance outside of the intervention of God into humanity. So the foundation, the basis of Christianity, in spite of any other thing they may say, people may say, Christianity has not got any relevance or it does not mean anything outside of the fact that God stepped into time and became one of us. That is the crux of Christianity the crux of Christmas. The center of Christianity is about outside of that, outside that Christianity really doesn't mean squat. Christianity is not just about loving one another. No, it's more than that. You don't need to be a Christian to love. You can love without being a Christian. You remember the way you loved him? There are different types of love. There is there's the storyge, the filio, the agape. So, and the eros. So, maybe that's just eros type of love, and eros love is not really love. Really? But you said it's about love, so any love can feel it. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave. The, The key is not just his love, but the fact that he gave his only begotten son. The giving of his begotten son, stepping into humanity, is what makes the difference. First of all, before I go further into the main point, I think I just, just need to make a few points. I'll mention a few things about Christmas itself, where it's, it's coming from. The, the festival, it's a festival, okay, and it's actually, it started before Jesus was born, just that it wasn't called Christmas. It was way before Jesus was born. In Europe, they were celebrating, Northern Europe, Europe had the Yule, and the... Southern Europe had the Saturnalia. So they were celebrating this festival. They used to do this and the Yule, that's we have the Yule log. And they, it was like mid-winter festival. And it's usually really the celebration of the birth of the sun, S-U-N, 
right after winter solstice. Winter solstice is 20, usually 21st December. When the, we have two solstices, when the pole, the North Pole or the South Pole is very far, tilts very far from the sun, farthest from the sun, and that's when we have the longest night and the shortest day in the year. So right afterwards, the days afterwards, the nights are not that long as the 21st, usually. So that is the longest night, and then afterwards, it's like midwinter, afterwards, the sun begins to, the, the daylight or sun begins to, kind of, is beginning to appear early. So the celebrations and the festival is characterized with all these revelries, celebration, and people are free to, they reverse social order, in those days, you masters will have to serve their servants. And it's, it's usually for 12 days till 6th of January when the lights come down. All right, so it's from 25th December, 12 days. On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love said, the true love is not Jesus, it's true love. You have to, around that time, you are free to eat as much as you can. So it's, it's, it's a season where um, the social, orders are, social order is reversed. Masters serve um, their servants, and not just that, the food. That's the season you have to eat as much as you can. Eat, eat, eat so much and fill your tummy so much. And, and not just that, so freedom, social restrictions on eating is taking off gambling. So freedom, gambling. Um, so, and it's still, it's still practices in the form of shopping and freedom of someone you've, you've been spotting in the year. One good thing about the f this festival and the celebration was more about how the rich will also give to the poor. So people who didn't have much to eat, it's the, that's the time where we try and give stuff to them. I'm talking about the Yule and the... Um, Saturnalia, all right. Then Pope Gregory sends St. Augustine to United Kingdom or Britain to be his representative. He actually converted a lot of people and his church, the, the, I think the king at that time even started going to church. He tried to convert everybody, but people got converted, but not their Christmas, not their festival. So he was trying to get them to change and come to church and stop this thing and let's do. He couldn't, he wasn't successful. So he calls the, uh, the Pope and tells him that I've done everything, but this thing, they can't, they won't give it up. They won't give it up because it was the public mood for the festivities was so high, you can't change them. You can't stop it. So he said, Well, I can't do anything about it. Pope Gregory said, If you can't change them, join them. So join them and baptize Christmas into Christianity and have a special mass every Christmas day. Now, Christmas day, the reason why they did it Christmas day is Jesus was not born on the 25th of December, okay? He wasn't born on the 25th of December, but it was a, a period of the birth of them because the longest night was over. So now the sun is going to now show up again. So it's like the sun has been born again, the birth of the sun. So, okay, let's change it. Instead of the birth of the S-U-N, let's make it the birth of the S-O-N. And they, so they chose 25th December, and then they have to, it used to be a special mass, you know, Catholics call it a mass. 
So let's do it a mass for Christ. So Christ mass. So that's how they had to bring it into Christianity and made it her birthday. So okay, let's give Christ to like the Christmas is like his ceremonial birthday. So that is how Christmas became part of Christianity. So really, it's supposed to be about Christ and much of it really is not really about Christ when we look at the festivities around us and a lot of things happen in our society. And how about the Santa Claus? All right, a lot of things happen. <laughs> a lot of things happen in our society that has not got anything to do with Christ. Like the wreath, what, what, what has that got to do? The, the, the lights, because when he was born, only one light was shining. Now, there are so many lights everywhere. <laughs> the, let me tell you about Santa Claus before I go on to the real Christmas. Why, why? Do you want to hear about the Santa Claus? There, there, is, there was this story about, it's actually originated from Holland. They were fascinated about the story of this saint, Saint Nicholas, who was so good. He was a good man, kind man. And the story about Saint Nicholas was that in Turkey, there was a family, a very poor family with three beautiful girls who could not marry. And why couldn't they marry? In those days, if you, want, if you have to marry, it's the girls, the girls that pay the dowry. And, and their dad was so poor. They didn't have money. And so they couldn't get married. And they were living there, and St. Nicholas knew about it. So he decided to help them. And he smuggled gold coin into their home. How did he do it? He didn't come through the chimney. He, he wrapped it in a cloth and then threw it through the window into their home. And they found it and they were very happy. And because of that, those girls were able to get married. They got enough money to get married. And it fascinated this, this, the Dutch so much that it became a major story during Christmas, and they, Santa, Saint, Santa, Klaus, Nicholas, they shot in Klaus. And then the, the New Yorkers made the Santa Claus and gave him the, the red with the white, whatever. <laughs> and it, it's very interesting that the personality, the central figure of Christmas is more bending towards Santa Claus than Christ. He should be the personality, the, the central character of Christmas. But no, in the festivities and all this, it's more about Santa Claus. And so what the Christian had to do, we had a choice, we had a choice, either to just cut off from this whole Christmas thing and just stay with what is Christian, or we take it and rescue the Christ from it. <laughs> to rescue or clean Christmas up so we can have our Christ back or tidy it up. Because actually, in the first four centuries, the, Christ, the church celebrated the resurrection of Christ, never the birth. It wasn't, the birth of Christ was not celebrated by the church. It was the resurrection that they celebrated. But after the fourth century, when Emperor Constantine made Christianity the the state religion, that's when all these things started coming in. And they have to embrace 
Christmas and made it part of Christianity. But we need to rescue Christ from Christmas. It's, it's necessary we get Christ back into Christmas or tidy it up and make it about Christ. Let's not mix Christ with all that comes with Christmas. Let's separate Christ for, from all that comes with Christmas. There is, let's talk about the birth of Christ, which is very interesting. That should be the, cent, the, the center of Christmas, should be at the center of Christmas. Bible talks about in the beginning was the word. Now, all the, all the three or four gospels, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, what are the gospels? One more time, please. All the four Gospels spoke, I mean, the Gospels are practically about Christ. And so they had to speak about his, they had to speak about, um, all of them started Christ from somewhere. Mark started talking about Christ from his baptism. Because that is when his public ministry started. So Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, starts from when he was baptized. And Matthew said, no, that's not good enough. Let's, let's, let's start from Abraham. Let's trace him from, uh, to Abraham. So Matthew comes and traces, traces Christ to Abraham. So it's not far enough. His, his baptism is not far enough. Let's start from Abraham. So when you read Matthew, Matthew talks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then he begins to give the genealogy of Christ from Abraham. Matthew chapter 1 from verse 2. But then when then Luke comes in and Luke says that Abraham is not far enough. Let's take him to Adam. Because he's a human being. So he must be traceable to Adam. So Luke traces his genealogy to Adam. And he ends, in Luke chapter 3 verse 30, 38, he said, and he ends with Adam, the son, the son of Enoch, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. This is the genealogy of Jesus being traced straight to Adam. But John says that no, Adam, Adam is not enough. John says that let's trace him to before everything started. So John comes on the scene and John says that, you know what, in the beginning. Because the farther the human mind can go is from the beginning. Hallelujah. You can't go past before the beginning. Well, before everything existed, before anything became, became something. How can you think further than that? So the human mind could not capture anything further than that. So John said, all right, even though he was before the beginning, actually, the Greek word sounds like this, uh, uh, in the deathless past. So not when it was beginning. It's like before everything began was the word. So John said, no, let's take him from in the beginning was the word. Now, he didn't say in the beginning the word began. The word didn't begin in the beginning. It began before the beginning. So actually, the word didn't have a beginning. He said, in the beginning. Now, that's the Christian. It is very serious. In the beginning, something that was not created, that was not made, was before everything that was created. And yet, everything that was created will have to be created through this thing that was not created and had self-existence. So let's all read from uh, John chapter 1, from verse 1. Let's go from the screen. And the word was with God, and the word was God. 
Interesting. So the word was with God is theologically like he was face to face with God, the same with God. All right, so in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. This is very important. So the word was, the, the, the conundrum here is that how can the word be with and at the same time is? The word was with God. If he was with God, then he is not God because God is here and he is here. He was with God, but he says that the word was with God and the word was God. But what has this got to do with Christmas? Christmas celebrates when, verse two, let's go to it. He was in the beginning with God, verse three. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. All right, in him is life and the life is the light. He was light and the light was the light of men. The light shines in darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. Hallelujah. Amen. But what is interesting here is that Bible says that this word which was in the beginning through whom everything came to exist, one day decided to become one of the everything that existed. Wow. So verse 14 says, look at verse 14. Let's all read it out loud from the screen. Let's go. One more time, that, that line. Let's read it again. Let's read it out louder. And the word became flesh That is the mystery of Christmas. The wonder of Christmas. The word became flesh. Come on, what kind of flesh is that then? What, what kind of, the, fle- the word became flesh, not passed through and dwelt amongst us. So guess what? As we are going and coming, he was also going and coming. He was with us, eating our food, uh, 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 drinking our, our drink. Everything like us. The cre- it is the, the wonder of creation, the wonder of Christmas is about how the creator decided to wrap himself with creation and came and lived as creation. Now watch this. Jesus Christ being the second person of the, of the Trinity, in his incarnation, I need you to listen to, incarnation means when he became a human being, okay? That's when you hear incarnation, he became a human being. Jesus Christ in his incarnation did not lose anything he already had as God. But he started to become what he wasn't. All right, yeah. That's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story. In the incarnation, the, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, did not cease, okay, did not cease to become what he was eternally. So he was something eternally. What was he eternally? Eternally from John chapter 1 verse 1. Some of you don't like these kind of things. What was in the beginning? What was in the beginning? And what, what do you know about the word? The word was God. And then he says that the word became flesh. So that he says, the word did not cease to be, to be what he already was eternally. You are talking about eternity before time began. He didn't cease to be, he didn't cease to be what he already was, but he began to become what he wasn't. What wasn't he? He wasn't, create, he wasn't created. He wasn't a creature. 
But when he became a fetus in Mary's womb, he became a creature. And yet, watch this, the mystery is, and yet, he was still the word. That's the thing. He, He still was the word, and yet now has become a fetus in a human womb and a virgin. How can a virgin be pregnant? That's another problem, another wonder of Christmas. Oh, don't take it lightly. Think about it. A virgin become pregnant last Thursday. I was telling you. You know, there are these liberal theologians who, the theological word is the demythologized scripture. So demythologized scripture is like uh, Adam and Eve. God created Eve by taking, say, oh, no, no, you can't think about that now. It's not, they ate the fruit of the tree. No, no, it's not just a fruit. It's a, so they try and water it down and make it so, the Red Sea parted. So no, okay, Red Sea can't just part. It was just an extreme wind that blew by the side. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The sun, the sun stood still. No, no, the, the sun does not move. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, the earth that moves. So if you say the sun stood, the sun can't stand. The, 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 just that it looked like the sun has stopped moving, but it was because the people were under intense pressure. So they had stress. They were stressed. <laughs> they, were, they, they were stressed. When, have you ever seen the earth moving before? But don't you see the sun moving? <laughs> so as it appears to the naked eye, we see the sun rising and the sun setting. So it is just human terminology to describe how things appear. It doesn't mean scientifically that's exactly how it is. Have you ever seen evaporation, condensation, uh, 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 precipitation? And then, yeah, have you seen precipitation in the class before? No, but it does happen. Does that make sense? All right, so they will say that the, the virgin really wasn't a virgin because there are times the Bible uses the word virgin to mean an unmarried woman. There are times, so I think in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, if you can if you can control yourself about your virgin, marry her. All right. So, virgin. Let's all say virgin. virgin. A virgin birth. How can a virgin be pregnant? God said. The Bible said in Isaiah chapter four, uh, seven, verse fourteen. He said, "God Himself will give you a sign." Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold. In other words, this is a wow factor. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Watch this. A vir- you mean a virgin conceiving? It's more scientific. Now, the word used virgin, this word used virgin in the scripture, in the Hebrew, it's actually mean, it's been used in a few places in Hebrew, which actually means a woman who hasn't known a man. So it doesn't mean a woman who is not married. It means a woman who hasn't known a man. In the Greek, ver- in the Greek version, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the angel appeared to a virgin. The angel Gabriel was sent to a city of Nazareth, verse 27, to a virgin. That Greek word translated virgin is not like an, a woman who is not married. It's a woman who has not been known. So Bible says that a virgin shall conceive... Um, Isaiah. For God will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin? Virgins don't conceive. Yes. There is an extreme biological situation where in rare case scenario, very extreme, a woman can conceive. 
without the involvement of a man, medically speaking. It happens in some plants and uh, is it Komodo dragon? Or, yeah, it, it, they also, it's rare amongst animals. It's, not, it's very extreme. But amongst human beings, according to some top scientists and professors, it's happened about six times amongst human beings since time began. Six times. Where women who, women got pregnant without the involvement of a man. And as I told you, scientifically, it's called parthenogenesis. Okay, parthenogenesis, where a woman, and it's rare. And in all those cases, as I told you, in all those cases, the children that were born were, could only be girls. You can't give birth to a male because women have this um, X chromosome. They don't have Y chromosome. The Y comes from the man. So if a woman's egg begins to develop or multiply by itself to form another, it will end up forming another XXXXX chromosome that will give you a woman, a female. But to get a male, you need, the, you need a Y, sorry. You need a Y from the man, I'm sorry. But in this particular case, he said, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. So that means that, Isaiah, that means that for some reason, somebody else must have been involved. Now, the mystery of the virgin birth. See, listen, listen, listen. The whole thing about Jesus Christ's arrival, the mystery is not so much about his birth, but it's about the conception. The mystery is about the, how can a virgin conceive? And when Jesus was born, for the first time, the hymen, that's the wall that seals, that leads to the womb, was broken by a man for the first time, not from outside, but from inside. I know some of you didn't understand it, but... <laughs> <laughs> this Christmas is wonderful. It, it, beats, it, beats, it beats the mind of any human being. How can the creator become a creature and live amongst us? Islam thinks this is blasphemy. Of the highest level. How can you say Mary conceived Christ? Now, so there must be three ways this conception must have taken place. One of three ways. Number one, maybe God supernaturally formed a fetus in Mary's womb. So used Mary's cells to form a fetus in her womb. Maybe that's a possibility. But if God did that, that means that God was not involved. So that child will not have, as it were, God's DNA because this is everything from Mary. So that is ruled out. The second one is either that God did some genetic modification <laughs> and modified the genes or the chromosome of Mary, all right, to have the Y. So instead of the X, he removed, he just cleared one, <laughs> cleared one, some genetic modification, just did some um, chemo surgery and then removed you understand that? And then it became, it became, why? And so that's how we got, the, no. But I think that is not so. Because even with that, God really didn't bring anything. Or 
God himself supernaturally produced the why. But it's not from human, human male, but from, as it were, God. Now, some critics, somebody said to a critic, which I like, he said, it's interesting that you believe in the virgin birth of creation, the atheist, that big bang, that something was there. We don't know what, but it just came. It's virgin, it just came. But you are finding it difficult to believe in the virgin birth of Christ. Very interesting. So God himself, because if God just does that, no, the first option I gave, if God just does that without uh, creating a new fetus, that means that that, that fetus will not have Mary's, Mary's DNA. So really, it's not a, a, a natural and a real human being. But he's supposed to, and the word became, and the word became, and the word became, so he's supposed to have flesh. You must be able to trace his fleshly DNA and lineage. So it was traced to Mary, and how about his godly DNA? It came from God himself. So God, he says that the angel appeared to Mary and said, don't be afraid, for you are going to be pregnant and you are going to have a child. You are going to give birth to a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And Mary said, how can these things be? Because I know no man. He didn't, she didn't mean that I will not know a man. She's trying to say, this thing's going to happen. You are, you are thinking about a frame, a time frame. And I must know a man before it happens. The angel said, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Watch this. And he says that the power of the highest shall But Therefore, also that holy one, that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, the mystery of Christmas, the son of God becomes the son of man. So in one person, you have the son of God. In one person, you have the son of man. Psalm 2 verse 7, he said he's called the son of God. Daniel chapter 3 verse 13, he's called the son of man. He saw God and yet he's man. He saw man and yet he's God. He didn't lose any aspect of his godness. He, so as he was in the flesh, he was 100%, not 50% God. No, no. These things are essential for every Christian to them. Jesus was 100% God. And how about man? 100% man. He was fully man. In fact, in, in, in the Latin is vera homos, vera dei. Very, very, very God. But very God and very man. So any aspect of manhood, he had it. So let me talk about his flesh. Because, and the word became... Yes. I can't hear you. The word became, yes. the word became, yes. let's talk about his flesh. What type of flesh did he have? Number one, the flesh of Christ. Number one, I like this one. This is a good one. I like this. He became, um, all right, so a, a male flesh, not a female flesh, shall conceive and give birth to a son. Male flesh. Because Why was he male? Because he was coming to represent God, the father, not God, the mother. He was reflecting God who called himself the husband of Israel, not the wife of Israel. It's very important. So it was male flesh. Number two, it was Jewish flesh. He was born a Jew. Male flesh, Jewish flesh. Number three, sinful flesh. 
What do you mean by sinful? That's where it gets, gives. Are you trying to say, no, no, but watch this. Bible says that he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 4. In the likeness of sinful flesh. Romans 8, 4. Born in the likeness of sinful flesh. The righteous, verse 3, rather, sorry, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of what? In the likeness of what? So in other words, when you look at, this is very important. There's nothing, there's no significant difference, uh, difference between Christ and you in his humanity, sinful flesh. In other words, he had, he, he, he could sin if he wanted, just like you and I. Sinful flesh. He was prone. That's why Satan came to tempt him. Because he, had, it was, he was so normal like you and I that he also, so you can't say, oh, because he was, he was Christ, he was God. No, he had the sinful flesh like you and I. So that he can qualify to save us. He can qualify to understand you when you are going through your fleshly stuff. So sinful flesh, and let me add this, he, it's, he, the flesh was a sexual flesh. That's amazing. God, sexual flesh. What does that mean? He, he also had sexual feelings. <laughs> Pastor, you can't say that Jesus has sexual feelings. I didn't say he had, I didn't say he had, see, that, that's, that's the wonder, wonder of Christmas. He became flesh. Everything flesh was apart from the sin. So he didn't sin, but he was a sinful flesh. In fact, Bible puts it this way. He was ten, tempted at every point. Hebrews chapter four. Tempted at, at every point. He said, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but he was at all points. How many points? At all. How many points? At all. So where you get tempted, he was also tempted. Brothers, don't think that it's only you who are struggling with girls. He was tempted yet without sin. So this is the kind of flesh we are talking about. He became flesh and the word became flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory the, um, the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth very interesting about this so he became flesh and I, I also want you to understand that the time Jesus was born at his birth it was like eternity has intercepted time everything in history changed that moment about Christmas, if we will call it Christmas. Eternity, that's where eternity met with time. Jesus from eternity. The word, in the beginning was the word. The, the word was there before beginning. Suddenly, now the word has brought himself under the restrictions of time. Galatians chapter four, verse four says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth. But when, when the fullness of time had come, God did what? God did what? God did what? God did what? God sent forth his son. So he, it wasn't that he was not there already. He was there already. And God sent him forth. And when he came forth, he became a son of man. He was born amongst men. And yet as he was walking amongst us, he was the son of God. He was the son of God in the human flesh, walking, walking. Healing. How about this? John the Baptist got confused a little bit. Because there, there was so much wonder 
around this Messiah who was coming and who had come to the extent that Bible says that the prophets who prophesied about his coming, they will finish prophesying and be wondering, but what are we talking about? <laughs> First Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Look at it. Look at it from the screen. It's, they will prophesy of, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Look at verse 11. Searching what or of what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. They, they, they were wondering. He'll prophesy. Do you know some of the prophecies? They said, a virgin shall give birth to a son. And he's wondering, ah, what did I just say? They'll prophesy that he'll be born in Bethlehem. Yeah, I agree. But another one will prophesy that out of Egypt I've called my son. So is it Egypt or Bethlehem? Then another one comes to prophesy and he says that in Nazareth, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, is it Jesus of Bethlehem, Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus of Egypt? Which one? <laughs> they, 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 were, they will prophesy that, in fact, Daniel prophesied that his, all, all the thrones and all kingdoms shall be under him, his government. He shall be the kings of king of kings and the lord of lords. I saw the son of man coming. And yet, when he came, even the house, Bible said the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> Isaiah said, Isaiah said, there was no beauty in him to desire him. And yet, I think, not Micah, one of the prophets also said that he was the beauty of all nations. So there were so many, one of it is, watch this, the first one was God who prophesied by himself. It's, theologians call it the Proto-Evangelion, where Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God said that the, womb, the seed of the woman, a, women don't have seed, they have egg. Say, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. See, capital S. Her seed. Women don't have seed, they have egg. The egg gets fertilized by the seed. But this particular woman, so yeah, which is this woman who is going to have a seed? So Jesus is called the seed of the woman. At the same time, he's called the, the seed of Abraham. Now, he is, the, watch this, he is the, the seed offering of Abraham, and yet, before Abraham was, he was. He is, watch this, he is the seed of David, and yes, he is the root of David's father. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Look at Isaiah 11 verse 1. Look at this. It says that there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of the, his root. A, a rod from the stem is the stem of Jesse. This, this is quite interesting. So if it's David's grandfather, if David's father's root, how can he be the son of David? So Jesus, that's the last question Jesus ever asked the Pharisees in public. And no one dare ask him a question again. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 41, Jesus said, okay, I want to, I want to ask you a question. The, the Messiah, the Christ, whose son is he? They said, the son of David, of course. Yeah, everybody knows that he's the son of David. Yes, yeah, the son of David. Yeah, okay. So he said, if he's the son of David, Jesus continues to say, if he's the, how does David in the spirit call him Lord? Because a Jewish man will not call his son Lord. And Bible says that from that, the next verse, verse 44, and no one was able to answer him. No, from that day on, did anyone, any dare ask him a question anymore? He just silenced them. Because the, the, the issue surrounding the Messiah 
beats the mind of human, natural human beings because he was so many things converging in one. He's the lion and he's the, the lamb. He was crucified and yet he was reigning. That's why when Peter, he told Peter, Peter said, you are the son, the Christ, the son of the living God. He spoke about, from then he began, began to talk about his death. Peter said, you can't go and die. No, you can't go, you are the Messiah. What do you mean? You can't go and die. The Messiah is supposed to reign. And so there are so many different aspects of the Messiah which, watch this, you cannot just read the Old Testament and, and get it. When you read the Old Testament, the prophets themselves were even wondering. What are we talking about? So you can't. So the last prophet of the Old Testament, he comes on the scene in Luke chapter 3 and began to tell them that there's one coming after me. I'm not worthy to, to uh, do the lace of his shoes, of his sandals. And he says that he, his widow, verse from verse 13 somewhere there, his, his winnowing fan is in his hands. So he started Luke chapter 3. He started talking about um, John the Baptist and he said, his winnowing fan, okay, from verse, verse, go, go to verse 16. Let's go to verse 16. John answered saying, indeed, I, I baptize with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strip, strap I am not worthy to lose. Watch, he will baptize you with the Holy Go to the next verse. His winnowing fan is in, in his hands. He would thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn but the chaff he shall burn with fire. So he was expecting that this guy is coming with fire. You guys are joking, he's coming. And he told them, repent. He was telling them, repent. In fact, there were times he told them, Matthew said, who has, who has asked you to flee from the coming wrath? Because he says that Jesus is coming like a, a, a treasure. He's coming to crush people. So John the Baptist is in prison. And then do you know what he hears? He hears that, does this guy come, he's in town, he's so, doing so many good things. The guy you introduced that he's coming to bring the judgment is rather being so nice, helping people. So, watch this, watch this. Let me show you something. This is very important. You don't have to miss it. So, Matthew chapter 11, from verse 1, John the Baptist called his disciples. He said, go and ask him. It came to pass. When he said, finish commanding the 12, Matthew chapter 11, yeah, that he departed from this uh, to teach and to preach in their city. Go to the next verse. And John, and when John had heard he, uh, John had heard in prison about the works of Jesus Christ. He sent two of his disciples to go and ask him and said, are you the one coming, uh, are you the coming one or we should look for? But were you not the one who said that this is the, la- the Lamb of God? Yeah. <laughs> you said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of... He said, for the one who sent me to baptize, John chapter 1 from verse 30, the one who sent me to baptize said to me that upon him whom you see the Spirit descend, he is the one who baptized the Holy Spirit and I testify that I have seen him. Now, when he was in prison, he sent disciples to go and ask, is he the one to come? Do you know why he did that? Because he was confused, because he knew the works that this man is, he has introduced that this guy is coming with crushing powers. What he was doing was helping powers. So he was waiting. So he asked, "Ah, are you the, have I made a mistake? (laughs) Go to the next verse, verse four. Jesus answered and said, go and tell John the things which you have, which you hear and see. The next verse. What do they hear? Did they hear? See, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached. Jesus quoted straight from the prophets, Isaiah. Because watch this, there's one thing you have to know about Jesus Christ. Before Jesus Christ came, no blind person ever was healed. The prophets, no prophet healed a blind man. It was a special characteristic of the Messiah. 
So he said, go and tell, what I'm doing is spoken by the prophets. Mm. So just in case he thinks that I'm the wrong messiah, let my works tell him, you should check with the prophets. Mm. Isaiah spoke about it. I will open the blind eye. Isaiah spoke about it. The, the, the lepers will be cleansed. Isaiah spoke about, go and check. So Jesus referred, why? Why did that happen? Because Jesus' assignment was so interesting. Just the messiah, if you just read the Old Testament, it's, it can, you'll be confused. So, so what are you? To the extent that even the one who said you are the Messiah said, no, you can't go and die. Because Messiah is not supposed to. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because of the enormity of who he was supposed to be. So many things converged in one. In his first coming, he came as a lamb. In his second coming, he's going to come as a lion. In his first coming, he came as a, he came quietly in the manger. Nobody saw him. But in his second coming, the Bible said, all eyes shall see him coming. So, see, when, and all these are in the Old Testament. So you are wondering, ah, is everybody going to see him? Or no one is going to see him? The second coming, the first coming, he came as a servant. The second coming, he's coming as a king. In the first coming, he came, and guess what? He was being judged by corrupt judges. Convicted by corrupt people. He, he was the, the giver of life. Bible calls him the giver of the author of life. They, they took his life away. How can you take the life, life from the life giver? So when he resurrected from the dead, if you remember, when he resurrected from the dead, Luke chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus, mm. when the guys were confused, he said, oh, you foolish of dull hearts, didn't you understand that the Messiah ought to suffer these things and afterwards be glorified, be resurrected? So they only knew one aspect. Said, then he said to them, oh, foolish ones, and of slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. All of it. Believe everything the prophets have spoken. Go to the next verse and see. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? So the suffering was part of his assignment. There's so many things about the Christ. So his birth was really a wonder. I have about Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Unto us a child is born. And that same child is already a son before he was, when he was being born. <laughs> Let's already from the screen. Let's go. The government to be on the shoulder, that's what John the Baptist was looking for. And they were killing him. The government to be upon his shoulder, and uh, upon his shoulder, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Watch this. As he lay in the manger, that's the same person lying there. The Mighty God, a child, called the Mighty God, the Counselor, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He was so God and yet so man. How... Let me just show one or two things and then I can, and about his royalty. You, you have to know about this. He was supposed to be the son of David, isn't he? Son of David. So he can rule. According to um, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, he's supposed to be the son of David. But when he came, let's, let's look at his genealogy. Very interesting. You'll find something that will shock you. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. Let me talk about Judah first. He, Matthew chapter 1, verse, Matthew chapter 1, let's look at verse 3. Matthew 1, 3. Can we read it out from the screen? Let's go. Jesus is supposed to be, watch this, is supposed to be from the tribe of Judah. Because God prophesied on Judah that the scepter, scepter in other words, Genesis chapter 49, verse 9 and 10, the rule will never depart from Judah. 
Okay, so he said, Judah is a lion's whelp from the, uh, from the prey, my son. You have gone up. Um, he bows down, lie, uh, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. Look at the verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the Lord give up from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of it. So this is a prophecy talking about Jesus Christ, the reign of Jesus Christ. Now Judah, guess what? Judah ends up having a child through incest. So that means that the, the lineage of the Messiah has been compromised as a king, as a ruler. So you know the story of Judah. Some of you don't know. When you go home, read it. It's very interesting. Genesis chapter 38. Judah had a daughter-in-law called Tamar, and Judah's sons died. So he said, no, I won't let my younger son, Sheila, marry you. And, but she needs a, a, a child. So you have to give me some, one of your sons to marry me so I can have a child. And he said, no, my child will not marry you because you are killing them. <laughs> and then you know what happened. Then he, the woman said, I know what to do. I will get you to sleep with me. She played the harlotry, this lady. She played the harlotry and Judah, whose wife had died at that time, went to town and he, he went for her services. So he went for her service, but she disguised herself and Judah didn't realize who he was with. So before they could come together, they would come together. She said, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't take it easy. Don't be in a rush. What are you going to pay me for, the service? And she said, just give me your staff. And then collected her staff and, uh, his staff and items. And, but from the Hebrew text, it looks like it continued. It wasn't once. Yeah. So afterwards, she was looking, he was looking for her. She vanished with his staff. And guess what? Three months later, Verse 24, three months later, Judah was told, it came to pass, about three months after Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot, the harlot. furthermore, she is with a child by harlotry. So Judah said, bring her out and let's, let her be bent. <laughs> That's very harsh. See the men. <laughs> How can she do this? How? How? So when they brought her, I said, please, before you bear me, can we find out who owns this stuff. And he said, the one who owns this stuff, he is the one responsible for the pregnancy. And Judah said, oh, I think, Judah said, she has been more righteous than me. And verse 28, 29, she gave birth to twins, Zara and Perez. So, but according to, watch this, this is very important. According to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 2, look at it, I'll show you something. If you commit incest, you are Ban from, says that one of illegit, illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to, even to the 10th generation, none of his descendants shall, descendants shall enter the assembly. You, are ban, you can't go and even worship with them. You are banned. And so that means that the seed that Judah has given, meanwhile, the scepter should not depart. The seed that Judah has given is going to compromise the lineage of the Messiah. Are you getting something? So now let's look, let's look at the lineage of Jesus from verse 3 of Matthew chapter 1. That's what I was talking about. Matthew chapter 1 verse 3. All right, verse 3 said, Judah, you know how Judah begot Perez? That's incest, incestuous relationship. Judah begot Perez and Zara by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Let's go on. 
Ram begat Aminadab, Aminadab begat Nashon, Nashon begat Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz, Boaz begat Obed, Obed begat be, uh, by Ruth, Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. So that means that David was not supposed to be a king, but the, the judgment was 10 generations. So David just came in after the 10th generation. Let's count. Let's, let, let's go. Let's see. So um, from three. Judah, and then you go what? Perez. So when I mention you count, okay. Judah, one. Perez. Um, Hezron. Ram. Um, Abinadab. Nashon. Salmon. Boaz. Obed. Jesse. And then who comes after Jesse? David. So that problem that was going to affect the rulership of the Messiah was taken care of by the 10th generation. So that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus could be the, watch this, Jesus could be the son of David and still have the right to reign. Say the right to reign. It's called the royal right. But I will submit to you that Jesus didn't, watch this, Jesus had the royal right, but really the royal right, something happened. David gave birth to Solomon and Solomon was the one who reigned. Is it right? So the, the, the lineage, the royal rights went through Solomon. Anyone who comes after Solomon had the right to reign. Okay? So let's, not, let's look at the genealogy of Jesus again. From verse 12. Matthew chapter 1, verse 12. No, no, okay, that's Jeconiah. But when you go, I think let's go back to where we ended. Verse, is it verse 6? Verse 7? Verse uh, David. And David begot Solomon. Solomon, Solomon begot uh, by the right. <laughs> Uriah, the, the next verse. Solomon, Solomon, I'm finished, it's okay. You need to know this. Solomon begat Rehoboam, Rehoboam begat Abijah, Abijah begat Asa. And when you continue, 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 let's go to verse 15, I think it's um, Solomon. It, wa- it ran down to verse 10, verse, verse, sorry, verse 12. There's something in verse 12. And after the were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah because Sheetel. So Jeconiah verse 11 was the one who ended the reign. After that, they were cut, captured into captivity and there was no king anymore. Oh. After Jeconiah. But Jeconiah had the punishment from God over his head. Yeah. According to Jeremiah chapter 22. Yes, yes, yes. Verse 24. <laughs> Listen to what God said. As I live, says the Lord. Jeconiah is the same as Coniah, okay? Says the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were, uh, were the signet of my right hand, yet I will pluck you off. And then when you read from the verse, verse 25, a lot, but I want us to jump to look at the verse 30. That's what Jeconiah, and what, what he said about Jeconiah. That says the Lord, write, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days, for none of his descendants shall prosper, sit on the throne of David and rule amongst Ju- uh, 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 rule anymore in Judah. Watch this, watch this. So if you come from Jeconiah, God has barred you, you can't reign. Hey. But let's look at the, the, train, the genealogy of Jesus. From verse 12 of Matthew chapter one, Jeconiah was inside there. So then Jesus could not be the son of David or shouldn't have the royal right. 
Oh no, the rich, he shouldn't, he shouldn't rule. He can have the royal right, but already they've said that your son, there's no son that will come from you that will reign. So that a son, if it's going to come, you, have, you can't reign because there's no son that will come. Even though you have the royal right, none of your sons, it's like they're all going to be waste. So look, Matthew chapter, chapter one again, look at it. Is someone learning something? Yes. It's very interesting. And after, after, after they were brought from Babylon, Jeconiah begat Shehetiel, Shehetiel begat Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begat Abiud, Abiud begat Eliakim, Eliakim, Azor, Azor, Zadok, Zadok, Akim, Akim, Eliud, Eliud, Eliezer, Eliezer, Mathan, Mathan, Jacob, Jacob, Joseph, the husband of Mary, not the, the father of Jesus, watch this. The husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, Jesus who is called the Christ. So it was Mary who gave birth to Jesus, not Joseph. Yep. But then that means that you have disconnected, yeah. watch this, you have disconnected Jesus from the line of David because he, he's in, in, watch this, among the Jews, the one who had to reign must have the paternal, so from your your right to reign is from your paternal lineage, not your maternal lineage. But for your information, David did not have the blood of Joseph. Sorry, Jesus did not have the blood of Joseph. So he didn't have the royal blood. Because of Joseph being married to Mary, he could have the royal right, but not the royal blood. So where is he going to get the royal blood from? He must be a son of David. And so when you read the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Luke, it traces from David. It didn't go to Solomon, it goes to Nathan. So David had children. Solomon was the one who had the royal right, but Nathan also had the royal blood. So the, the lineage of Mary came from Nathan. So Jesus had to be born by Mary to have the royal blood, but had to be the son, as it were, of Joseph to have the royal right. It's very interesting. <laughs> so somebody says, oh, see, the genealogy of Jesus is different. It's different. In... No, no, you don't understand it. You don't understand it. You don't understand it. You don't understand it. That's why he had to be a seed of the woman. A seed of, he must be of Mary. The, the, the blood of Mary must be his blood. So then if God forms a separate fetus in his womb, he doesn't have the, the blood of Mary. But he had the blood of David. Then from the tribe of Judah. Wonderful Christmas. Wonderful Christmas. This, is, this is amazing. The Bible says the prophets who prophesied were wondering, what are we talking about? Yes, 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 yes. What are we talking about? Why have we made Christmas something other than Christ? Mm. Why have we? It's a virgin birth. Mm. Start with the virgin birth or the virgin conception. Virgin birth. A virgin shall give, God will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. A son. A son, who is the son of David, yes, yet before David. Who was the one who created everything, yet he became part of the creation. Who was the one who was the son of Abraham, yet he, before Abraham he was. He was the God of all, and yet became God in man. Hallelujah. This is the Christmas story. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.